Howdy there. Care for a cigarette? The Marlboro Man was the ideal man for some people. And that machismo helped sell cigarettes and make Marlboro a leader in the industry. Funny thing is, Marlboro was actually originally a cigarette for women. Yep, you heard me right. A cigarette for little ladies. The Marlboro Man helped change perceptions and helped change an industry. We'll lasso on up the facts for you about the Marlboro Man this week on This Was a Thing. This was a thing Cigarette ads and Disneyland This was a thing Deborah and Bert kiss in the sand Lana Turner kicks the bucket Elvis Presley starts to sing Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we're looking at the Marlboro Man. Ooh, musky. <laughs> this was a thing because Marlboro was looking to rebrand itself in the mid-50s. It wanted to start having a more masculine, macho vibe. And what's the most masculine, macho thing someone can be? A cowboy. That's right. Okay, now Rob, I decided to do something a little different this episode. In front of you, there's a uh, a box. Go ahead and open it, and uh, surprise, it's a cigarette, and there's a lighter. <laughs> yes. Go ahead, and uh, why don't you go ahead and light up that classic Marlboro Red. In the house, really? Oh, yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Why are you wearing a fucking cowboy hat? Welcome to Marlboro country. (coughs) Now giddy on up and enjoy that crisp, cool, freshing taste. Now, now don't you feel like you're back out on the range? He's wearing a fucking cowboy hat. You look like a, you look like a rabbi from Texas. Oh, thank you very much. Doesn't it, doesn't it make you feel like you're herding goat, shearing sheep, castrating cattle? Ugh. What else is there really to make you feel like a man? Ah, yes, that cigarette. Ah, this damn hat's not staying on over my my headphones. Well, you get the point. I'm going to take it off. All right, you don't have to finish that cigarette. You can put it out if you want. So, yeah, the Marlboro Man had a nearly 50-year run. It was one of the most recognized ad campaigns of all time. Of course, cigarette advertising started to fade away over time, which meant that the Marlboro Man had to ride off into the sunset. But his story is an interesting one. My mom smoked Marlboro Light 100s while I was growing up. And while she was pregnant with you, I think, right? Well, actually, back in 1987, the doctor said it was okay to smoke three <laughs> cigarettes a day. <laughs> but only three. Only three, while pregnant. So 1987 doctors, shout out to you. Um, and she collected Marlboro miles that came on the packs. Those are like a little point system. Uh, you'd accumulate the points, send them in, and you'd get rewards. And I actually had a red Marlboro sleeping bag when I was growing up. She cut off anything that said Marlboro, so it wasn't like, hey, do you think that kid smokes? Mind you, I had a little lamp. Little ashtray. Yeah, little ashtray, exactly. But nonetheless, Marlboro has always kind of been something 
in in my life for a while. This show in no way condones smoking. This is just a history lesson. Before I get into the Marlboro Man, I wanted to talk a little bit about cigarette history and its advertising. The widespread smoking of cigarettes in the Western world is a 20th century phenomenon. It wasn't really around before that. There was cigars were more popular and stuff when they were looking to roll up tobacco in some form of... uh, Roll and you had to make your own cigarettes, right? Yeah, and then a lot of time they would use like newspaper wrappings and stuff. But like the actual like go out buy it, yeah, market to it, go out and buy a marketed one. Yeah, I mean it was mostly just uh, tobacco on your own. World War One helped make cigarettes much more popular because they were included in soldiers' war rations. They were provided by the cigarette manufacturers themselves. So when the GIs got back home, they craved that brand of cigarette. Perfect marketing. Let's get them addicted over there, <laughs> and then we'll have them addicted over here. Cigarette advertising in between World War One and World War Two consisted mainly of full-page color magazine and newspaper advertisements. So those were the things that were popping out at you, just like, uh, you know, that new refrigerator does nowadays. Probably the refrigerator model is smoking a cigarette. Exactly. <laughs> the new refrigerator comes with an ashtray for her. <laughs> Nine out of ten frigidaires smoke camel. <laughs> Many companies created slogans for their brand, and they used celebrity endorsements from famous men and women. Some advertisements contained fictional doctors reassuring those customers that their specific brand of cigarettes was good for health. You know what? That good for that doctor. Yeah. You know what? Not only is he a doctor, but in his free time, I saw him on an episode of I Love Lucy as the Telegram Boy. <laughs> wow! Good for that doctor. It must be a small practice he runs. Smoking was widely seen in films, and you know there was product placement, so you'd see the pack of camels right in front of you. There were even television advertisements featuring some of your favorite characters. Gee, we ought to do something, Fred. Okay. How's about taking that? I, I got a better idea. Let's take a Winston break. That's it! Winston is the one filter cigarette that delivers flavor 20 times a pack. Winston's got that filter blend. Filter blend makes the big taste difference, and only Winston has it up front where it counts. Yeah, Bonnie, Winston tastes good, like a cigarette chug. The Flintstone has been brought to you by Winston, America's best-selling, best-tasting filter cigarette. It still tastes good, like a cigarette chug. So are you telling me that in order to sell cigarettes, they specifically used children's cartoons to do so? Yeah, they sure did. Get them early, huh? Winston tastes good like a cigarette shirt. Jeez, the fucking wheeze. How did they get away with this? Well, let's go back to the 1920s. I would love to. So tobacco companies look to target women, aiming to increase the number of smokers in the women demographic. They had just gotten the right to vote. They're liberated. Exactly. And what better place to... Smoke a cigarette, then in the voting booth. (laughs) Testimonials from smoking female celebrities were used. Ads were designed to prey on female insecurities about weight and diet, encouraging smoking as a healthy alternative to eating sweets. Is that true that to lose weight, you smoke? That's what they said. That's what they said. That's what they said. Well, I mean, that's still a common, I don't know if it's a misconception, but I think it curbs your appetite somewhat. Yeah, it kills you, though. They marketed cigarettes as quote-unquote torches of freedom, and they made nicotine a symbol of women's independence. In 1929, Edward Bernays, who was commissioned by the American Tobacco Company to get more women smoking, like, that's 
We're bringing you in to get gals smoking. Uh, he decided to hire women to smoke their quote-unquote torches of freedom as they walked in the Easter Sunday parade in New York City. He called them torches of freedom? That's what they were calling them, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. He was very careful when picking women to march because, quote, they they should be good-looking, they should not look too modely, and he hired his own photographers to make sure that good pictures were taken and then published around the world. Mary, so, I mean, he's a good marketer. I mean, mind you, it wasn't for the best campaign, but <laughs> it's great marketing. Now, let's get to Marlboro. Philip Morris and Co. had originally introduced the Marlboro brand all the way back in 1924, and they were first marketed as America's luxury cigarette, and they were mainly sold in hotels and resorts. Remember the little bellboy? Calling Philip Morris! Now, around the 1930s, the brand was starting to be advertised as a women's cigarette, Marlboro, based on the slogan, Mild as May. The name Marlboro was taken from a street in London where Philip Morris's British factory was located, Marlboro, with an O-G-H at the end, street. In the 1930s, advertising for Marlboro was primarily based on how ladylike the filter cigarette was in an attempt to appeal to the mass market. The paper had printed red bands around it to hide lipstick stains, actually, calling it beauty tips to keep your paper from your lips. Oh, how interesting. So it's not a big red masculine blood red color. It's, we don't want our lipstick on this. Hell yeah. Now, shortly before World War II, Marlboro sales were at less than 1% of the tobacco sales in the U.S. And uh, they were even briefly withdrawn from the market. So it's just crazy to think that, you know, probably 1940, Marlboro was withdrawn when it's so big now. After the war ended in 1945, Camel, Lucky Strike, and Chesterfield were the only common cigarettes. So Marlboro wasn't even making a a dent. Starting in the early 1950s, the cigarette industry began to focus on promoting filtered cigarettes as a response to the emerging scientific data about the harmful effects of smoking. So they were saying that filtered cigarettes are much more healthier than just having tobacco straight to your lungs, which, you know, I think they're still trying to say that. Under this misconception that filtered cigarettes were safe for Marlboro as well as other brands started to be sold with filters. So Marlboro said, you know, why not? Let's just get on this filtered band wagon. However, filtered cigarettes, Marlboro in particular, were still considered to be women's cigarette. Now, here's Miss Julie London singing a catchy Marlboro jingle. Oh, she's gorgeous. Julie London sings the Marlboro song. Why don't you settle back back. and have a full-flavored smoke? Settle back back. with a Marlboro. Make yourself comfortable whenever you smoke. Have a Marlboro cigarette. You get a lot to like with a Marlboro filter, filter, flavor, flavor, pack or box. And folks, this isn't just Julie London standing in front of a like a screen. Oh no, singing about Marlboros. It's a whole scene. She's on a date with a guy. And it literally, the song should be called Fuck Me on the Table, because that's the energy she's giving off. Fuck me on the 
table. Now, the hottest part is where uh, they're smoking a cigarette, and she puts her cigarette butt on his cigarette butt and flicks an ash off that way. Tip to tip. Tip to tip. During market research in the 1950s, which I can only think about what market research in the 50s was like. I'll go down to the supermarket and ask one of those broads with a card what they think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Excuse me, baby makeup. <laughs> what, what, what kind of cigarettes do you like? Men indicated that while they would consider switching to a filtered cigarette, they were concerned about being seen smoking a cigarette that was marketed towards women. So they thought that, I don't want to see, I mean, look, I understand that filter's healthier, but it's for chicks. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy. With the penis. See it? We see it, Tom. Put it away. I'm a man. Tom, we see it. Now give me that unfiltered. (sighs) Tom, put your penis away. The rebranding of Marlboro as a men's cigarette was handled by Chicago advertiser Leo Burnett. Burnett and his advertising agency introduced the world to the likes of the Pillsbury Doughboy, Charlie the Tuna for Starkiss Tuna, and the Jolly Green Giant and Sprouts. From the valley of the jolly, ho, 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 green giant, good things from the garden, garden in the valley, valley of the jolly green giant, summer green snapped and fresh, kitchen slice to taste their best, tender beans are coming from the valley, these green giant green beans start from special seed and grow into these tender, thick meat beauties. Then they're kitchen sliced at an angle to bring out all their flavor and freshness. Taste the difference yourself. Try Green Giant brand kitchen sliced beans. And if you prefer, you can get the Green Giant's French style beans too. Good things from the garden, garden in the valley, valley of the jolly. Ho, ho, ho. I would trust this guy with my ad campaign. What about you? Absolutely. I think we're going to hire him for the podcast. So most filtered cigarette advertising sought to make claims about the technology behind the filter. So, you know, ads would use complex terminology and scientific claims regarding that filter. And the cigarette industry as a whole wanted to ease the fears about the harmful effects of cigarette smoking. And scientific terms helped, apparently, I guess, back in the 50s, just seeing big terms and something telling you, oh, well. Oh, I think we still see it today oh, absolutely but it's just so funny like back then i feel like it was easier to mislead someone you couldn't google yeah but leo burnett wanted to address these growing concerns in his own way i feel like this is the leo way he wanted to create ads completely void of the health concerns there would be no health claims about the filtered cigarette and leo burnett's ads. This is a commercial that came out in 1955. It shows a man working on his old car and smoking a cigarette, essentially telling you to get lost in that cigarette. And it is such a 1955 commercial, but you can see that Marlboro is already trying to start a rebranding to be a men's cigarette. This is a man who smokes Marlboro cigarettes. What kind of a man is he? I'm a guy who likes to work on my car. I like to take it apart and put it back together. I get to working on it and forget where I am, what time it is. I even forget to eat. You don't forget to smoke, though. I always smoke when I work. They go together. Why Marlboro? Well, it's a combination of things. When I draw on a cigarette, I want to taste something. With Marlboro, I do. Yet it's got a filter that works. Then there's this flip-top box. I like things that are well-designed. 
This box is interesting and practical. Would you recommend Marlboro to your friends? I already have. New Marlboro. Filter, flavor, flip-top box. Popular filter price. This guy, he was masculine looking. He is masculine. Fragly face. And he's working on his 1910s car. I like to take my car apart. <laughs> Sir, you need a hobby. You shouldn't be smoking while you're taking your car apart. I don't know if that's safe. Sir, are you lighting things <laughs> near open gas? <laughs> Maybe. I like to run a risk. But the one risk I don't run is smoking anything but Marlboros. <laughs> Leo Burnett felt that making claims about the effectiveness of filters furthered the concerns of long-term smoking. And Leo Burnett proposed a campaign to present a lineup of manly figures, just because to have those show off you know, what smoking was all about. Sea captains, weightlifters, war correspondents, construction workers, and the cowboy was to be the first in the series. And I will say, it sounds like Leo Burnett was putting together the village people before they were an idea. <laughs> Who's your favorite village person? Well, I think Leatherman is cute, but I'm a real sucker for war correspondent. <laughs> hey friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay, head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, Scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to patreon.com and send us some money. And in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Leo Burnett got the idea for The Masculine Men from a Life magazine photo in 1949. The photo was of a Texas cowboy. Oh, howdy, Rob. Look who's back. Oh, my God. He put the hat on again. <laughs> Jesus. Do I have to light up again? We did. You might as well. I gave you a whole carton there, Rob. It's underneath your seat. Now, within a year of the Cowboys' launch, Marlboro's market share rose from less than 1% to the fourth best-selling brand. So, damn it, Cowboys sell. This convinced Philip Morris to get rid of the lineup of manly figures and stick to the Cowboy. The Marlboro Man appeared for the first time officially in 1955. So when that guy was working on his car, he was probably thinking about the Marlboro Man. Sure he was. <laughs> sure he was. Uh, wanting to expand the Marlboro Man market base, Philip Morris felt their prime market was post-adolescent kids who were 
beginning to smoke as a way of declaring their independence from their parents. So, you know, why not? And, you know, let's think about it. Plus, at the time, cowboy movies were all the rage. Kids thought cowboys were cool, and well, hey, that cowboy in the ad is smoking, so so should I. Yeah, no, it's so true, because, like, in the 1950s, I mean, there were so many John Waynes, there were so many Westerns, it was all, there was, I mean, it was all frontier stuff was everywhere. It, so many TV shows were cowboy shows. I mean, it was, they were the superheroes of the 50s, if you Very think true, about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? mean like where kids have iron man and hulk as their toys and stuff i mean my dad was playing with cowboy figures and stuff like that when the new marlboro country ad campaign started in the late 1963 uh, the actors utilized as the marlboro men were replaced for the most part with real working cowboys and in that same year the campaign began to use elmer bernstein's 1960 theme music from the magnificent seven butch Heading for the high country. There's a new snow and good hunting up there, up in Marlboro country. You get a lot to like with a Marlboro filter, flavor, pack, or box. Come to where the flavor is. Come to Marlboro country. There were numerous men who appeared in the Marlboro Man ads, these masculine, macho guys. Wait a minute, wait, these the guys in the commercials? Yeah. Why are there so many of them? Well, because over time, I mean, they had a bunch. There was William Thurlby. He was a model that pretended to carry out cowboy tasks, but he lacked authenticity. I would like to tell you that William Thorby, you know what he did after after all of this? What? He became a fashion expert. Well, he was a model. He wrote tons of books on fashion. And he was a very dapper dresser, Mr. Thorby. He lacked authenticity in the cowboy world, but in the fashion world. Is that world, why they got rid of him? Yeah. Oh, that kind of makes sense, because well, I'm looking at a photo of him right now, and he's dressed very dapper. There was Max Brian Turk Robinson. He never smoked, but was recruited at a rodeo. There was Robert Norris. He was recruited after it was discovered that he was friends with John Wayne. <laughs> yep. Uh, he'd never smoked, and after a 12-year run, quit the role to avoid being a bad influence on his children. Well, good for you, Robert Norris. There was Christian Heron. He was a Broadway and MGM movie actor, and he looked the part. And the ad agency was not satisfied with actual cowboys, so they went back to getting actors. Did these guys need to actually talk in the commercial? There or was, was just, hardly any talking. It was just shots of them? Yeah. So was, none of these guys could handle that? Look, authenticity is needed for a cigarette commercial, Robert. Come on. There was Wayne Dunafon, who was a Kansas rancher and a longtime competitive rodeo rider, so... You know, getting closer to uh, the whole cowboy dynamic. There was Herf Ingersoll. He was a Montana rancher, discovered at a rodeo, and he was hired to be photographed as the Marlboro Man. There was Brad Johnson, a former rodeo cowboy. He appeared in a Marlboro Man in 1987, and then he landed a lead role in Steven Spielberg's film Always in 1989, starring Holly Hunter and Richard Dreyfuss. Finally, there was Daryl Winfield. He was the longest tenured Marlboro Man. He worked on a ranch. He won the role after another cattle rancher turned it down because that cattle rancher didn't believe in smoking. Daryl Winfield's immediate authenticity led to his 20-year run as the Marlboro Man, which lasted until the late 1980s. When he retired, Philip Morris reportedly spent $300 million searching for a new Marlboro Man. Philip Morris had used many cowboys for their ads, but has declared that Winfield was really the Marlboro Man. Now, 
five men who have appeared in Marlboro-related advertisements, Wayne McLaren, David McLean, Dick Hammer, Eric Lawson, and Jerome Edward Jackson, a.k.a. Tobin Jackson, died of smoking-related diseases, thus earning Marlboro cigarettes, specifically the Marlboro Reds, the nickname Cowboy Killers. An actual Marlboro man, Christian Heron, who is the Broadway and MGM movie actor, who was primarily a Marlboro man in the early 60s, died of AIDS in San Francisco in 1996. But Heron, who had owned and operated a gay bar in Palm Springs, was the founder of The Wedge, a safe sex AIDS prevention program for sexually at-risk teenagers in the San Francisco area. So, Giving back to the community. Giving back to the community. The use of the Marlboro Man campaign had very significant and immediate effects on the sales. In 1955, when the Marlboro Man campaign was started, sales were at $5 billion, and by 1957, sales were up to $20 billion, representing a 300% increase within those two years, so that's pretty good. Philip Morris easily overcame growing health concerns through the Marlboro Man campaign, highlighting the success as well as the tobacco industry's strong ability to use mass marketing to influence the public. The immediate success of the Marlboro Man campaign led to heavy imitation Old Gold's adopted the tagline for independent thinkers, which is, you know, like a cowboy, I guess. And Chesterfield depicted cowboys and other masculine occupation to match their tagline, Men of America, Smoke Chesterfields. Now, the fall of the Marlboro Man campaign came when it was just too hard to advertise for tobacco anymore. With all the information on how bad they were for you, he just sort of rode off into the sunset, like I said. Cigarettes bad, Marlboro Man saw his exit. The deaths of the men in the Marlboro advertising may have also made it more difficult to use the campaign without attracting negative uh, attention, which makes sense. The Marlboro Man's last appearance in the U.S. was in 1999, 44 years after he debuted. But the advertising continued until at least the early 2000s in countries like Germany, Poland, and the Czech Republic. So, where it was still a fantasy to be a cowboy in those countries... A documentary called Death in the West premiered on British television in 1976. It was an expose of the cigarette industry, and it didn't make that said industry look very good. Philip Morris, makers of Marlboro, sued the filmmakers. In 1979, they reached a secret settlement and all copies were suppressed, although it was still released on a local San Francisco channel in 1982. You can't get this anywhere? It was released. Someone still had a copy of it and was released, but for those three years, Philip Morris did everything they could to get it out. Yeah. The California Non-Smokers Rights Foundation created a manual to accompany the film titled A Curriculum for Death in the West. This is a portion of the manual describing how the Marlboro Man is featured in the film. Considered by many to be the most powerful anti-smoking documentary ever made, Death in the West contrasts the advertising image of the Marlboro Man with the reality of six American cowboys dying of cigarette-related illnesses. The film, produced in England in 1976 and later suppressed by the Philip Morris Company, makers of Marlboro cigarettes, illustrates the intrinsically false nature of cigarette advertising. It makes the Marlboro Man less attractive. That was... 23 years before he had his last uh, United States ad, so it's interesting that Philip Morris, even back then, was doing everything they can to get it out of the public's view. 
The Marlboro Man has become a part of the pop culture lexicon over many years. In the Rolling Stones' 1965 song Satisfaction, Mick Jagger sings, When I'm watching my TV and a man comes on and tells me how white my shirts can be, but he can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as me. Paula Cole asks, Where is my Marlboro Man in her song, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? The always cheerful Neil Young refers to the Marlboro Man as the cancer cowboy who was pure as driven snow before his death in the song Big Green Country. In the 2005 film Thank You for Smoking, Sam Elliott plays a former Marlboro Man that now has cancer. And of course, no story about the Marlboro Man would be complete without a mention of the 1991 film Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. The film starred Mickey Rourke as Harley Davidson and Don Johnson as Marlboro Man. It seems like a typical action buddy comedy from the early 90s. It features other characters like Virginia Slim, Jack Daniels and Jose Cuervo and the trailer looks lit. want to ride their road you gotta know the rules never go into a bar i can't watch this unless you're willing to get smashed you're pretty good up to there never rob a bank get back what's mine and kill these men okay run by bigger crooks than you hey man that's what friendship's all about that looks fun what is that it's uh an action buddy comedy flick from the Don Johnson McGeorge. Yeah. What a, what a casting, huh? What a pairing. When we get back from the break, we'll talk about some of our favorite experiences out on the range and uh, <laughs> we'll talk about if an ad campaign like this would work nowadays. This was a thing. This was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. Lionel, come in here. Yes, Mr. Burnett. Marlboro needs to be transformed into not just a masculine cigarette, but the masculine cigarette. So, what's masculine? We need to create the most masculine man ever. Ah, I just don't know how we could create anything more masculine than Jolly Green Giant. Now that is masculinity, if you ask me. That's what I'm afraid of. How do we top that giant green-hued Adonis? This is just an idea. Hear me out. Jolly Green Giant... But with a cigarette. He's walking amongst the little bean patch one day, and wait, what is that? Is that a tobacco plant growing amongst the beans? It is. Keep going. Jolly Green has one of those idea moments. He takes the tobacco leaves, rolls it into a fine, tasty, masculine cigarette, and then boom, Marlboro cigarettes. This guy smokes them, so should you. I like where this is going. Problem is, I don't think we can have a crossover. Sure, both the cigarettes and vegetables are healthy and recommended by doctors, but it will end up being too much of a hassle for us and legal. Besides the Jolly Green Giant, there has to be something else that is masculine. Okay, okay. Have you ever thought about the dangers of being a war correspondent? Too political. I see where you're going. (sighs) What's that Time magazine on your desk? Oh, it's just something about this cowboy. Cowboy. Oh, my God. I think I know what to do. Cowboys are very masculine. They've always made my body feel a certain kind of way. I'll tell you that much. Ah, I'm going to go take a cigarette break. Is my divan wet?
Thank you. This was a sketch. Cigarette ads in general definitely are okay being a thing of the past. It's not the best idea to advertise something that is so widely disputed. There have been some smokeless tobacco ads I'll see here and there in magazines, but that's about it when it comes to that. If I were to see a cowboy advertising smokeless tobacco nowadays, I feel like it would only be a parody at this point. And I think we're past having ads that try to have you reach your inner manliness anymore. They mostly want to reach for your fun, cool side, which is just as annoying. Yes, there are ads that try to present things for men, but it seems like they're mostly tongue-in-cheek, like the Old Spice ads. Ads for vaping are starting to make more and more of a uh, comeback, but they lead to more and more pushback from anti-tobacco campaigns. But we eventually will probably see those being a thing of the past. Jewel had a few television ads a couple years ago, which was honestly shocking to see, but they got pulled real quick, and I haven't seen any cigarette advertising in quite some time, and a cowboy on the range taking a slow rip of his jewel just doesn't seem like something that would help move product. The Marlboro Man ads are now viewed as almost a parody. Looking back at most cigarette advertising, Marlboro Man isn't even as odd to me as the Flintstones or doctors pushing their favorite cigarette brands. It's definitely a time capsule to when cowboys were the thing, and a time that I can't say I'm upset is behind us. I have a cowboy story. Uh-oh. It's not a cigarette story. It's a cowboy story. Can I give it to you? Yeah. So when I was a kid, I worked at a community theater, and one of the guys there was an authentic cowboy. Authentic cowboy. I mean, big strapping guy with a big handlebar mustache, you know, wore, you know, the hat and the, what do you call them, the chaps. Looked like a real, like, tough guy. And uh, every year, he uh, would host something at the community theater called Cowboy Poetry. And I'm unaware of this, but apparently in the cowboy world, there are a bunch of cowboy poets. And they get together once a year, and they read their poetry to each other. And it's a pretty big event, and I went to a couple of them. And you have not lived until you have seen the Marlboro Man cry while reading a poem about his cattle. Do you want to come up with a cowboy poem for me right now? Give me a home where the buffaloes... Has to rhyme with home. Come. You know what? Let's play a game, and oh, then we'll come back fuck. to this. Okay. Okay? I gotta make beans. This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Ooh, after a podcast like that, I could really use a cigarette. What Did about you, ever you smoke, guys? Mark? I smoked a little bit in college. Did you? Um, yeah, there was a period I had to smoke for a student film. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to start smoking. And then all the actors were smokers. I'm like, maybe it just makes you a better actor. Oh, you're so messy. So I just tried to pretend that I liked it for like a year. Do you remember what brand you smoked? Yes, American Spirits. What color? Uh, the blue. yellow package. Yellow oh, package. Oh, yeah. I thought you were a blue guy. Yeah. I made the worst choice of an introductory cigarette. It's the cigarette that smokers go like, well, you know, it's the all natural cigarette. Mm. So that, That's why I was telling It is myself. harsher because yeah. the unnatural ones have a smooth mellow. Ray, did you ever smoke? Oh, yeah. But like the actual cigarette? Oh, yeah, I smoked a lot. What did you have? What was your brand? Camel Turkish Silver was my most uh, gone to. And I also rolled cigarettes for like a hot minute because I thought I was a cool 19-year-old, <laughs> but I still used a cigarette roller. <laughs> but like, <laughs> wow. like, it's like, yeah, you want a cigarette? Oh, yeah. just a second. Hold, hold, let me put my tongue on it. Give me Here 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just wait 45 minutes. <laughs> yes, I'll figure exactly. this out. Oh, man. Okay, let me just do another one. Am I doing it? Tobacco's still good. <laughs> Tobacco's still good. Just need a new piece of paper. You know what? I'm going to take a real cigarette. I'm going to cut it open. Yeah, and it do should you be have a cigarette? Can I just bum one off you? 
<laughs> what about you, Rob? You seem like you were a, come on, were you a smoker? I would, you know, it's so funny. I would smoke during tech of mm, shows, and then I realized right. I think I was always in tech for shows, so I had to stop. What was your brand? Honestly, I would smoke either Marlboro's or I would smoke American Spirit, and I was the blue one, mm. the blue box. I don't know the differences between the yellow the and the blue. blue box blues. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just always grabbed the blue box. Part of what I loved about this entire episode that you guys did was thinking back on what advertising was like for cigarettes before we had any sort of sense of morality or, yeah. or science, oh, yeah. really. And it got me looking at vintage cigarette ads on the internet, which are fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, they absolutely are insane. insane. And I pulled uh, a bunch of like slogans, ad slogans mm -hmm. that were used, and then I made up some. Okay. <laughs> so I've got 10 slogans here, and you're going to tell me if there's a real slogan for a cigarette brand company advertising, or if I just made this up. And do we work together? You're working together for this. Yeah, this is a col collab effort. Okay. Advertisement number one. The smooth taste expectant mothers crave. That's got to be fake. I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past people. I wouldn't put it past either. I'm just hoping to God it's fake. You want to say fake? I'm just going to say fake. We're saying it's fake. That's a real ad oh! by Nico Cigarettes. For who? Nico. Nico. Nico Cigarettes. Gee, Mommy, you sure enjoy your Marlboro. You wouldn't know that. I'm going to say fake. That's a real one. That's a real one, too? With a little baby, cute little baby picture on there. <laughs> Gee, Mommy, you sure enjoy your Marlboro and not spending time with me. I need another cigarette. I wish I was Shut a cigarette. Up. I wish I was a cigarette <laughs> yeah, so you'd yeah. hold me. So you'd hold me. Like the baby comes in with like a filter head. Yeah, a little costume. <laughs> mommy, Mommy. This is what you want, Trish. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That fresh tingle in the chest means it's working. That has to be fake. Yeah. That's a made-up one. That's oh, a, thank I made, God. I made that okay, one good. up. But it is true. The fresh tingle in the chest does mean your cigarette's working. I didn't know. I thought know he was having a heart attack. He switched brands. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't call the police. He switched brands. He said it was a fresh tingle. <laughs> People are always telling me that smoking causes low birth weight. Talk about a win-win, an easy labor, and a slim baby. <laughs> Please say that's false. Yeah, God, Please, please. Mark. That's a real Winston's ad. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? That's so disgusting. This is horrible. Okay. It's so weird. We're all out there. I don't want a fat baby. <laughs> Make it easy. The porters down the street had a fat baby, and you know what everyone says about him? Yeah. Suck it down like daddy taught you. <laughs> I, please. Yeah, gotta be fake. Please say that's fake. That is a fake one. Thank God. <laughs> I made that one up. That's a weird one. That's a good, that's a good one, though. Camel. Thank you. Thank you. Camel, suck it down like your daddy taught you. <laughs> <laughs> I am Joe Camel. <laughs> your new daddy. Got a cold? Switch to Cools. I think that's real. Yeah, that's got to be real. Menthol. That's a real one. Yeah. That's a real Cools, cools ad. Strike up a lucky strike and kiss your asthma goodbye. I think that's true. Yeah, that's got to be true. I made that one up. That's oh. Okay. But there were, there were asthma cigarette brand. They just that was not catchy. one of them. Okay. I love that like the craziest ones have been real. It's like <laughs> the asthma. I'm like, well, I guess I could see like a doctor saying like, okay, yeah, that would help that. There are a number of ones with just like an advertisement or like a Norman Rockwell doctor being like, it's trust me, you're going to be oh, fine. Yeah. And the specif, I can't stop thinking about the specificity of the slim baby. <laughs> yeah, that one is and that's real. Yeah, crazy. I know. That's what's so crazy. That one is crazy town. You can smoke fewer cigarettes by smoking longer ones. Pro I would say that's, that's true. That's probably true. With that is true. Don't suck the camel if you can't handle the hump. Oh, jeez. What the? <laughs> Don't suck the camel if you can't handle the hump. I'm going to say fake. I think, yeah, it's fake. That's a fake one. Thank that God. is a fake one. But Mark, you've missed your calling, buddy. <laughs> hey, I should have yeah. been an ad man. You think Don Draper would have liked these in a pitch meeting? But I would have been. You uh, would have loved them. And your final one: blow in her face, and she'll follow you everywhere. 
That's got to be real. That is a real one for Tipolette cigarettes. Blow in her face and she'll follow you everywhere. Just the Tipolette. <laughs> Just to make oh, sure was... the police can identify you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not on this list because it's not really ad copy sensational, but I was at the Rose Bowl flea market with my girlfriend a few years ago and somebody was selling this framed Lucky Strike ad and it was Santa Claus just puffing down a big Lucky Strike and it was like, after a night of delivering presents, I need to sit and relax and we bought it and it's one of our yearly holiday decorations. This I is love that. That's a good one. It's my favorite. If you look up online, Lucky Strike Santa ad it's beautiful. I love that. It's a great one to well, have. Well, Mark, thanks so much for <laughs> educating so us about advertising Thank for, you. for cigarettes. Friends, what a dark time. <laughs> what, a, what a really dark time. Folks, uh, don't light up. We don't encourage cigarette smoking. But if you remember the Marlboro Man, or if you ever wanted to be the Marlboro Man, or if you want to send a photo of you looking like the Marlboro Man, you know what to do. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we will see you all next time. Stay safe. Keep those lungs healthy. And remember, no fat babies. <laughs> Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cutcut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 